Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, everybody? It's the IGN UK podcast. I thought I'd start it like that to appeal to our international friends. Do you think it went well? Friends. What's, What's up, up, everybody? What's up? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that a decade What's ago? What's up, everybody? I don't know. But uh, well, there you have it. That's that's the podcast in a nutshell. What's up? What's up, Cousin McDonald? Hello. Uh, I've been in Newcastle. What's up, Chris Tilly? Bonjour. Oh, that's very good. You've obviously been in France. Nope. Uh, what's up, Daniel Kruper? Fuck off. Oh, that's fair enough. Can't argue with that. Uh, so it is the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's going to be an hour's worth of mirth, merriment, and uh, I don't know, actually, whatever else takes our fancy. So, who's been doing what? You've been to where? Newcastle? I went to Newcastle. Why would you bother going to Newcastle? Uh, good question. Actually, the thing is, it wasn't even Newcastle. It was Gateshead, which to our Newcastle listeners... Will. Isn't Gateshead meant to be pretty? I think it, Newcastle's pretty when you look at it from Gateshead. I don't know. I basically spent most of it in a conference room. It was for it was for it was for a games conference thing. But it, it was a sweaty conference room. Yeah, it wasn't that bad actually. It was okay. It wasn't enormously. It wasn't. We had Danny Bilson, who's the who's the guy who used to be in charge of THQ, who previously uh, made the Flash, the TV series, and a bunch of movies and stuff and. He's quite a nice man, and he was talking about all his new stuff that he's doing, but unfortunately his, the perception of him is that he just ruined THQ, which is hardly fair. Like, giant corporation probably wasn't ruined by the same one guy. Oh, I keep thinking THQ is that stuff you get in marijuana that drives you a bit batshit mental. TCP, I isn't it? I about that. TCP? TCP, that? no, that's what you TCP? dab on spots. <laughs> that's not right. No. Well, You've been putting that in your marijuana? Yes. <laughs> your spots marijuana? Haven't you? How's your no. skin? <laughs> Fucking awful, but I don't care. <laughs> Where have you been, Tilly? What have you been doing? I've been junketing this week. I've so been you doing it, I junk it, you junk the, it, we junk it. What does the word junket mean? Is it's, it not a kind of pudding? It used to be, didn't it? Yeah. No. With with sweetmeats. I don't know. I've been into <laughs> that's where it comes from. Actually, Daniel and I both have been doing it. I was fast and furiousing, and he was Star Trekking. Mm-hmm. Spoke to Vin Diesel about Riddick, spoke to Luke Evans about him being the crow, and spoke to Henry Cavill, who's not even in Fast and Furious. He spoke to nobody about Fast and Furious, <laughs> just about things around it. Henry Cavill's the new Superman, and at the party, I got chatting with him about video games, because he's a big gamer. So we chatted World of Warcraft and Skyrim, and trying to get him to come into the office to do don't know what yet... So if anyone's got any ideas out there of what gaming action you'd like to see, see us do with Superman. See, my idea is that we get... What would I want to get Superman playing the incredibly hard level for Superman 64 and then just go, oh, f- f- even Superman can't fucking do it. That uh, would be good. I mean, Super- Superman 64 would it's be... A, it's abysmal. It's, it's just the worst thing. I've got a tube of superglue with a lid stuck on. Could he, could he get that off for me? I think your idea was good, like blister packs. Yeah, get them to open like, really difficult. Yeah. Go on, go for go it. Go on, mate. A pair of scissors in that blister pack. I'm not giving you any tools. You've got to get it open. What but, if he can't do it? He fails. But Chris, you went to the premiere of the movie, mm-hmm. but something slightly unfortunate happened to you while you were walking down the red oh, carpet. I wasn't going to bring that up. Yeah, Keza, you asked if anything happened while you were away. Something did happen. Uh, my cousin ended up going to the premiere with me, and he was just behind me walking up the red carpet. He said, oh, Chris, I've got some bad news, mate. I said, what? He said, a bird's just shit on you. 
And I thought he was joking. <laughs> she didn't even buy you a drink. I took Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez. Hey. You can't take her anyway. I took it. I took it off to look. It had shat all over my back, like down my shoulders, down the middle of it. Was it oh, just it? What? It was green. Green? Yeah, I don't know what that bird had been not, eating. Not standard white. That's a well, young it's London bird. birds, isn't it? Yeah. You were wearing... Um, a really nice you suit. Custom-made suit from my brother's wedding. Oh Purple shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was oh. just it was just. Did you have horrible. to sit through the whole film with that? Well, I went and gave, tried to clean it off in the toilets, but then all bits of tissue got on it because there was of nothing. Of course. Anyway, <laughs> how was Star Trek, Daniel? Classic partridge. <laughs> yeah. Um... I think it shat on. No, no, it Shatner. Went, That's it, a plus. It shat, no, shat on me. Um, it went better than that. J.J. Um, mm. Abrams was a, a lovely, lovely man because they say never meet your heroes, and I kind of yeah. did. And he was genuinely a nice man. And it's the only interview that I think I've ever got slightly nervous in. I didn't at the beginning, but as it went on, I was like, "You're amazing." <laughs> and I got a little picture with him, which is unprofessional. It's the only time I've ever done it, and he's Cheeky. very nice. And he lit it properly. I said, "Where <sighs> should we take this?" Because junket rooms are lit in a certain way because mm. you're in a hotel room most of the time it's quite a it's disorientating experience it's, it's a all... blacked out hotel room with a couple of lights a bit like a porn set yeah so I was like oh I'm going to take a picture and we won't show up because we'll be backlit and JJ Abrams went no we need to light this properly and he found like a good spot for it did you get a lens flare on it <laughs> oh imagine that <laughs> should we photoshop um, lens flare onto it that'd be that's great for all my and what, what date did you interview him on May the 4th May the 4th be with a little you. bit about Star Brilliant. Wars but not he didn't really say anything no. too revealing. Um, I think he's a bit duty bound. Mm. Um, I liked I liked the bit you when you chatted with Alice Eve. That was a that was a that was a that top, was top junkie. Massive, massively awkward. Alice Eve yeah. was just I don't don't know. It was just difficult. Let's say she wasn't <laughs> unpleasant or rude to me. Just short answers, and then I I, I didn't remember that she's in the final scene of the movie. And then she called me out for it. She's going, well, that's awkward. And I went, yeah, that's awkward for everyone. So we just looked at each other for about 10 seconds. But she did she, kept, she, she kept smiling at you and saying your name. I think there was a little bit of flirtation going on. She there. reminded me of Cassie from Skins. I was, I was naked. You weren't? You, <laughs> I, was na- I thought she was, she was, yeah. You were shot. I'm going to go what Stu said. She was definitely coming on to me. Definitely. That was definitely, the th- that was definitely what was happening. And how was Benedict? That's what everyone wants um, to know. Benedict Cumberbatch was, again, a nice man. A I'm not going to say which ones weren't nice, because they were all nice, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Pregnant pause. Um, but Benedict Cumberbatch was top professional, if nothing else. Like mm. He gave you amazing answers. Yeah. And he's a very interesting-looking man. He is, isn't he? He well, is. Did, he's did, a really striking-looking man. Did you see that picture I put on Twitter, that freeze frame of him, looking identical to, to the Joker? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. he Ooh. does. There's no, there's no photoshopping involved. Check my Twitter feed out. There's a picture he, of him Ooh. and his lips, his face. He would he be a perfect, them. perfect Joker. Um, but in person, he definitely has a real presence to him and gravitas and amazing voice. But very, very nice, very pleasant. And going up today on the site will be our Star Trek spoiler cast. Yeah. Yes. So we hated it. Get clicking on that. Didn't really. We thought it was very entertaining, so check that out. Let's um, carry on and see what's been happening in the world of news. Cares. The next, there's, do you know what? There's a next Xbox coming out pretty soon, apparently. Well, they've kept that quiet. I know. I really, really, really can't wait until May the 21st so we can stop doing this, but apparently it's going to be called Xbox Infinity. Um, mm. This this has been floating around for a while, actually, because there's the whole Xbox 8 thing because of Windows 8. And if you turn the 8 sideways, it becomes Infinity. But they said this about the PlayStation 4 as well. They said the PlayStation 4 was going to be called PlayStation Infinity. That said, I can imagine an American company actually calling a product unironically Infinity, whereas it would have been harder to imagine with Sony. I just... 
call it Xbox. Yeah, that, like Apple do. Just yeah. call it Xbox. And here's the thing: you don't want to be calling it like Xbox Eight. You don't want to be going anywhere near Windows Eight. No, you, you really you want don't. To be distancing you really yourself don't. from that shit. Especially if now the, that Windows. And are, if the eight have you seen what Microsoft over. are doing? With the release of Windows Blue, which is Windows 8.1, which is a massive update for Windows, <laughs> they kind of said, "Yeah, we're we're probably going to bring the start button back." Yeah, because it turns out it turns nobody out, can find anything. Yeah, so we've yeah. been listening. Well, I can imagine the marketing campaign for Xbox Infinity. Like you say, it's eight on Windows 8 fell on its horse. So there you go, Xbox Infinity. Brilliant. Windows 8 shit. I've noticed they've finally finally stopped putting those incredibly annoying Xbox Microsoft Surface adverts on literally everything all over YouTube, all over forward. They've like finally all the stopped and everything and all that. Oh, it's great. It's there's really that good. one, but then there's the one with the incredibly annoying song. Oh, I haven't. Never loved someone so much. That one that goes. It's honestly. It's they've had these these adverts have been on for about four months continuously. They must have finally run out of money. Microsoft ran out of money. Imagine. Where do people watch adverts Which, these days? Yeah, I've not seen that before. It's, YouTube on, it's on streaming. Like, I watch every advert for five seconds before I have to skip it. Yeah. <laughs> so, advertisers, from now on, all your information, top load it. Yeah. Because I'm not going to see the start. end of your First five seconds. Well, do five second adverts. Yeah. That's so what we want. Vines. Yeah. Just beam straightly in, like, directly into my cerebral. People wouldn't mind if people are only annoyed at, like, you know, 35 second long adverts that stop you from watching the next bit of your episode of The Inbetweeners. I wonder if Jeremy Vine's got a Vine account. Vine Jeremy's Vine. Yeah, talking about and it's vinyl. All about vineyards. That'd be brilliant. Jeremy Vine's Vine Vine. <laughs> Marvin Gaye. What? One for our moment. Just things he's observed. I've no yeah. idea what's happening. What? Add, yeah. Big. Um, we had a big trailer drop this week for a film that I think we're all quite excited about. Yeah. Um, the world's end. Um, the, the first debut trailer. Obviously, yeah. If it's a debut trailer, it's probably going to be the first one. You, uh, you write English good. Yeah, I do English well. Good now. Here, what I say. Um, <laughs> so this is the last part in the three ice cream color trilogy, or the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy, by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, isn't it, Chris? Indeed, it is. And so they've got all of so Frost and Pegg are back together, directed by Edgar Wright, and a lot of the cast members from Hot Fuzz and Shaun the Dead are in it. It's about five mates who get back together to do an epic pub crawl. Uh, around their hometown of Newton Haven and is it 12 pubs they're going to visit 12 yeah. pubs 12 pints, pints 12 each, pints each. Um, starting at the first post ending with the world's end and something's gone slightly sinister in their hometown everybody there seems possessed by some mm. unknown entity I think they're aliens Chris thinks they might be robots or Robot they might aliens. be alien robots yeah. yeah but the trailer's great we absolutely loved it and we recorded our first ever Rewind Theatre which is when we do a, a trailer commentary, trying to figure out what we could work out from the little clues. I think we worked out some good stuff in it. Uh, do you think? That's upon site. Yes. We could be made to look very stupid when this film comes out. Nah, well, you go back, you re-edit it. Yeah. You look like a genius. Yeah. I was in an awkward spot, though, because I went on the set of that one, and I've not been allowed to print any of it yet and use any of it. So I found out things on that set that I'm strictly embargoed not to say. Okay. So that made it awkward. I was trying to sit there thinking... So when you said it's not aliens, does that mean it is aliens? I don't know. They, in, in fact, they wouldn't say on set, which was quite annoying because we were embargoed. So it's not like we could do anything about it. So they didn't know. I'm as in the dark <laughs> as you. I did maybe hear someone accidentally say something on the phone, on their mobile phone on set, but I'm not said that yet. 
a sort code. And the other yeah. thing they wouldn't say is I've heard that there's some really big stars that cameo in the movie. This is what I've heard as well. I'm going to see I'm going to see an hour of the movie on Monday night, aren't I? Something like that. Um, Isn't that going to spoil it? Seeing an hour? Oh yeah, totally spoil why it. Why are you see like an hour of an hour and a half movie? That? That's well, ridiculous. It's my job. No, but who said you can see an hour but not the fucking rest of it? That's the most preposterous yeah. thing. That's like getting a preview build of a game that lets you play 12 hours. So you played of the first six hours of Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, and it was shit. And I wish I hadn't. No, the yeah. game wasn't shit, but it, I really wish they hadn't. Yeah, well, you know, I prefer a preview build that's like, you know, here's 30 minutes, 45 minutes. When they give you like three, four, six hours, you've just played half the game. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast, their hearts are bleeding for us. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, mate, I don't think anybody would want to watch the first no, hour no, I know. Of, of an hour well, and a half movie, would they? Well, I just like if I'm wrong, write in and tell me I'm wrong, but I can't. I, I couldn't see anybody. That's just to do like that. when it cuts off in the middle of um, when you start landing in the middle of your in-flight entertainment and you, <laughs> yeah. you miss the last forty minutes. Are of they the actually film? taking you up in a jumbo jet to watch it? Is that what's happening? I hope not. Yeah, It'd be rubbish watching on those little screens. Um, so that came out, and then another bit of movie news. Mm-hmm. I'm tack onto this bit of movie news is Disney has officially announced um, they're making the first animated movie based on a Marvel property, Big Hero Six. So it's not. It's not Iron Man, it's not the Hulk, it's not the Avengers. It's a um, small run comic book series um, that came out, I think, in 2008. It's it's kind of like a mashup of Eastern and Western culture. Mm. It's set in San Fran... Yoko, San Francisco, San Francisco, So uh, the concept art they've posted online, you can see the um, Golden Gate Bridge has like pagoda-like architectural elements. Pagodan you... Gate Bridge. Pagodan. No. Jing. Pagodan. Do I get a win? No. No. Um, so that's quite exciting. It's been directed by the man who made 2011 version of Winnie and Winnie the Pooh. Did we not review that on the site, or do? We, was that something you were involved with? Yeah, we ended up talking to like all the uh, yeah. all the animators and Why? stuff. Why? Yeah. I love Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> and then I didn't even get to do the trip. Brilliant! But I the, thought it was going to be better than it was. Which? What's your favourite Pooh? I can't remember. I've not actually watched any since I was a kid, but uh-huh. I just still think he's a really lovely character. Right. Why does he sound like a little old man from Minnesota? Because he in a post is office. played by a little old man from Minnesota. I can't remember the name of the actor that used to play him. Um. But um, the film looks great from the concept art, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and that's coming out in 2014, so... It's a clever sort of... move, isn't it? Not not kind of bastardising any of their properties that they're already doing big business with. Yeah. like It's not like you know the animated clone Star good. Wars or anything like that. It's a fresh thing. What I'm excited about um, more than anything, I think, is um, the kind of action they'll be able to do in an entirely CGI movie and the way that they'll be able to position the camera and move the camera. Mm. It could be really exciting. Very comic book style. Yes, George. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sony have been uh, in the news. They uh, they've uh, said that you know what, guys, you remember when we uh, did the PS3 and we basically spunked huge wads of cash away for years and years and years and years until we we turned a profit on it. Is this an accurate translation? Yes, this is exactly what Masaru Keita, the Sony CFO, said. He said, unlike PS3, we are not planning a major loss to be incurred with the launch of PS4. So they're anticipating not making a loss with the launch of a new console. Well, not a major one anyway. Yeah, not a major one. I'd like to know <laughs> where that line is drawn. Half a billion dollars. It's not major. It's it's all right. We can handle that. It's a teeny that. loss. It's a, a teeny loss. It's because they're not spending as much money on developing the cell chip, which was their kind of almost became an albatross around their neck, didn't it? Because it became yeah. it was hard for people to develop for that and Xbox at the same time, and it cost a lot of money in the development stage. So they're going with more off the shelf components for the PS4. It's this is this is emblematic of Sony previously being a company that was run by engineers. 
mm. who are all like, oh, let's make really, really cool technology and spend loads of money on it. To now it's run by people who seem to know how to sell electronics. Yeah. And <laughs> seem to care a little bit more about people making things for it. This, not being such a this report's in interesting as well. That the report is optimistic. It says the report is optimistic about the future of the company's game business. Sales are expected to increase significantly, primarily due to the planned introduction of the PlayStation Four. In other news, bears shit in the woods. Hmm. <laughs> so there you go. Sony. Well, that's, that's, I, like that's Japanese, I like this Japanese financial officer. <laughs> yeah, he's We're not going to spunk money away, and bears are shitting in the woods. <laughs> What's the Japanese for spunk? Um, I don't know. Oh come on, I've forgotten. She speaks Japanese. Yeah. Come on, it's on the tip of your tongue. No, it's really uh, not. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the first time Sony's made a profit, by the way, in five years. Yeah. Worth mentioning. Yeah. Having yep. made massive, massive losses. So that's Nintendo and Sony back in profit. Hooray. Well done. But um, it wasn't just Sony game, the movie studio as well. It's all part of the same thing. And I know yeah. Spider-Man 2 was an amazing hit for them globally. Pun. Why? Amazing hit. Ah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry, Spider-Man One. What I'm talking about? Spider-Man Two's out next summer, but um, yeah. So that's part that's gone into their profits. I totally forgot about Spider-Man. I forgot it even came out. Yep. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, it was one of them, wasn't it? It just caught, came the and went. Similar setting in. Yeah. Blended into the background. I can't remember a thing about that movie. Was it right that they had, they, they had to make that to secure the rights? So that, that's why it was slightly. I can't rushed. remember now. Yeah, that sounds. I remember that Spider-Man plausible. was hot. Other than that, I don't remember anything about the movie. I can't even remember who played him. Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. That's it, of course, yeah. He was good. Yeah, he was all right. Chris, what good. other movie news you got? Well, we're talking about money. And so this has been a strange story that's come out over the last week in Drips and Drabs. It looks like the Marvel cast for the Avengers movie um, are all trying to negotiate their deals, or renegotiate, rather, and playing. And Marvel's playing hardball with them, and they're playing hardball back. But um, I didn't know this, apparently, and it, I don't know which ones, but apparently some of the cast were paid $200,000 for the Avengers, while Robert Downey Jr. walked away with $50 million. Wow. <laughs> so I can see maybe why there might be a bit of bitterness behind the scenes. Um, He's Tony Stark. Deadline yeah. are talking about Chris Hemsworth wanting to renegotiate. He's not happy with the deal he's on. <laughs> I, like, I like what Chris Hemsworth sort of said, like one of the reasons why he doesn't come back. He's like, he can't be bothered going to the gym. <laughs> he wasn't anxious to go back into that arduous diet and training regimen and, sub- and subsist primarily on egg whites. Fair enough. <laughs> Not be bothered doing that. That's an awesome quote. And Scarlett Johansson, apparently, uh, as well. Chris, Chris Evans has already signed up. He's already negotiated when he was doing his Captain America contract. But yeah, it just sounds like there, there is some trouble behind the scenes. Do you know what? Doesn't need Chris Hemsworth. Get rid of him. Doesn't need Scarlett Johansson. Get rid of her. Well, they've got so many characters they can bring in. They'll if just they switch want them to. out, won't they? It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, there was an update later in the week saying um, Downey Jr. has entered negotiations to reprise his role in Avengers 2 and 3, but not for Iron Man 4. Don't need an Iron Man 4. Saying he's not no. sure he wants to do another standalone movie. We don't think... I don't, we don't need another Iron Man. It was a trilogy, wasn't it? Yeah. Worked I think job done. Like yeah. Rebooted down, a few years down the line. So probably what you were saying about him coming back and maybe heading up... Shield. Shield yeah. would make sense. Especially yeah, for it gives it a nice continuity if you're going to introduce new characters to have the guy... Who was there right at the beginning of phase one? Mm. It's like this grandfather figure. And he, yeah, definitely. But 50 million? Jesus, man. That's a lot of cheddar. Well, these how, deals- much did, um, who, how much did uh, What's His Face from The Matrix, Keanu Reeves, get paid for stuff? 
Because he, he, is he still the biggest paid actor ever? I don't know off the top oh. of my head. But it's oh, like was he? Million, like what, Cruise for, won it. I think he was for... Hmm, was he? I don't Cruise remember. Cruise as well. Like, Cruise always negotiates and they get a percentage it, of growth. But who was, who was, like... I'm trying to remember, there was a survey out a couple of years back about who was the biggest bang for their buck, wasn't it? The most kind of profitable... Mm. Uh, star with salary. you know who it definitely isn't Ewan McGregor he was like one of the worst <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> unsurprising really seeing as he's a bloody awful actor I've got a feeling it was when it's somebody like Tom Hanks or something though because be. he's been in like some of the most successful movies ever made or Harrison Sa- Ford was it? I can't remember Samuel L Jackson's a good one because yeah. he's been in a lot of different franchises that have made a lot of money mm. oh well we'll look it up and if you know you can always let us know by uh, emailing us at IGNUK, feedback at IGN.com or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook, IGNUK. Is it IGNUK on Twitter and Facebook? Yep. Yeah. Good. Ignuck. Croops, what did we do last night that we can tell the listeners about? Um, not, the, not the other stuff. We went to the BFI South Bank and saw Richard Donner's cut of Superman 2. Mm. And as a treat, it was introduced by the one and only Terrence Stamp, the original General Zod, who was really charming and a great raconteur. And I never knew the fact that when he got off the role of General Zod, he'd been living as a Swami for seven years in India. And he only got um, he got a telegram from Richard Donner when he went to a hotel once yeah. once a week for his breakfast. So <laughs> He's got an amazing agent. So he's been seven years away from Hollywood. He still gave Landy the part in Superman. <laughs> and he, he told some great stories about the production, the trouble production of Superman 2, the fact that Richard Donner... Was given a budget of eight million, and like four weeks into it, spent twenty. Oh, <laughs> so is that why he, looked, he got kicked off? One of the reasons, yeah. And they replaced ah. him with Richard. So Lester. what they did is they said, "Look, just finish the first film, get the first film in the can, and then we'll go back and worry about the second film afterwards." So they got the first film in the can, released it, sacked him. Sacked yeah, Richard yeah. And while Terence Stamp seemed to like perfectly respect Richard Lester, who replaced Donner, um, the crew and cast. It sounded like they'd fallen in love with Donner. Mm. Like this larger than life character, a man of incredible ability and charisma, and a real father figure to the entire cast and crew. So they're, they're, all the all the crew really behind his vision for that Superman 2 movie. And Terrence Stamp's been involved in making the director's mm. cut. The director's cut's really interesting. So some of the footage um, Donner had already filmed when they were making the film simultaneous with Superman 1, they use footage from TV versions they use alternate takes and they use test, test footage, footage test yeah. footage screen test footage and a few things that they've made since like, and dropped in so it's really cobbled together it's amazingly cobbled it's, together it's like a fan edit it's fucking bonkers <laughs> as well it's really bonkers this is a I can't remember if this is in the original Superman 2. I don't think it will be but it's an amazing bit where Superman makes a souffle with his heat vision <laughs> Yeah, in, the, in the Fortress of Solitude with Margot Kiddo. And it's not set up. It's not like, hey, should we go do some cooking? Like, General Zod's tearing up a small town in like the Midwest. Yeah. Cuts their sort of Fortress of Solitude. And they're baking. Well, it's after, it's after they've kind of... After he admits he's fallen in love with her and he's admitted who he is. And it cuts to it, it cuts, cuts them in the fortress, and, and he's going, oh, I'm not sure I can do this. Yeah, then. like he's straining. And she's going, you've just got to be really gentle. It'll be fine. God. And it's it his back, and it's a fucking souffle. He's cooking a it's souffle. It's a giant souffle. It's a giant souffle. And they make it rise together. Souffle souffles are pretty hard to make. And I'd some... be impressed if someone made a souffle with their eyes. A Superman. A Superman did, yeah. yeah. So does it work? It. Ah, I didn't taste it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. It well, it it works together. Like it cuts together fine. It does make sense. But... <laughs> it's just, it, it it's sort just, of makes sense. This is great bits where they're having conversations, and every time it cuts cuts back to Christopher Reeves, <laughs> he has different spectacles, and his hair is either like massive and big enough because it's obviously a screen test, or it's slipped back. He's wearing. He's, there's one scene where it's him and, and Margot Kidder talking, and it's amazing. Every shot, he looks completely different. <laughs> Almost like they planned it. And then the end of the movie doesn't really make sense. <laughs> but, and there's a bit where Ursa, it might be the original, she sets fire to a snake, and they kill a little boy on a horse using a, a light bulb. It's just... Well, I, I believe that the end of the first movie was supposed to be the end of the second movie. Right, which would make yes, sense. Yes, they do kind of dovetail, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, but not brilliantly because no. there's this there's this massive kind of coda at the end of the second movie, which doesn't actually fit in with the rest of the timeline at all. Right, yeah. it's almost been tacked on, and, and you kind of think it's almost oh, like they've made it, really it from work. offcuts and yeah. like, it really, it's, it's really interesting. I think the story is really interesting, and the fact that the cast and crew got behind it. So, and it's also it, the first time that this cut, even though it's been released on Blu-ray and stuff, it's the first time they've actually managed to get a digital. A cinema version and shown it in a huge cinema, mm. so that was interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. so that and it us... makes you realise back in the kind of late seventies, early eighties, how many films were just shot a bit out of focus because mm. <laughs> the bit. technology was still quite primitive. And there's fifty minutes more of Brando in it. Yeah, which is always a good thing in yeah. my opinion. Lots of Brando. So we got us talking about director's cuts on the way home and what you think about them and if you have any particular favourites. My, my my obvious one, I think, has to be Wicker Man, the the, the Nick Cage version. You're <laughs> <laughs> a massive dick, aren't you? <laughs> uh, no, the original Wicker Man, of course, that fantastic story about how the film was taken away from its director and recut to be to be put on as a B movie alongside Don't Look Now. So that was actually a double feature bill of Don't Look Now and Wicker Man. And then, uh, so what did they change? Do you know? Yeah, they they can they really compress the film. I think the, the 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 director's cut of Wicker Man takes place over two days, possibly three days, of Sergeant Howie visiting the, the um, Summerall. Uh, but in the in the heavily edited, I think it's a eighty six minute version. Everything is compressed into one day. He arrives eighty eight minutes. Is it eighty eight minutes? I was close. I was two minutes out. Um, I don't stay for the credits, Chris. That's why it's two minutes shorter. Uh, yeah, so it's all compressed down, and there's some some amazing stuff that's that's left out. And um, I met uh, Christopher Lee many, many years ago and talked to him about, about the film. And, and he said that the story about the original film negative being used as landfill for the M4 motorway is, is true. He says it's not apocryphal. It actually happened. They just took all the negatives and stuff after they cut it down to this 88-minute version and just got rid of all the negs. And there was one print in existence which was sent to Roger Corman. Roger Corman. And he said, amazing, I love this movie, I love this movie. What I'm going to do, is I'm going to take this print and I'm going to have a safety print made, safety backup made of this print. And then the print disappeared on the way to the laboratory. Mm. And then years later, many years later, um, somebody in an American TV archive found a copy of the, of the complete um, film, which I think runs, what, is it 96, 97 minutes or something, I think the full version is? Can't yeah, well, this is the, this is the version that was cut for America, but it's still not the complete Hardy version because mm. that that runs to 102 minutes. Because I can't remember if the if the Hardy version if that has that really really. Christopher Lee was talking about a scene he did where he does this really amazing long speech, 
And he said that was just cut completely and they've, they've lost that, which is a real shame. Well, it's funny you should bring this up because I've got a press release all about it here. Ah. So Studio Canal, this is quite a strange coincidence, Studio Canal have launched a campaign today to find the missing footage. Wow. The, missing, the footage that supposedly is part of the M4 now or yeah. if any film historians or archivists or cinema people um, have any footage... They want them to come forward with information because, as it's the 40th anniversary this year, mm. they'd really like to put it back together again, if That'd possible. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? And uh, Robert Hardy is quoted saying, I never thought that after 40 years they would still be finding lost fragments of my film. We thought all of The Wicker Man had gone up in flames. Nice. Mm. Uh, but fragments keep turning up and the hunt goes on. So, yeah, they've launched a Facebook page today. Um, I think if you just type the Wicker Man into, into Facebook, you'll be able to find it. And I'm going to put a new story up after this about it as well. But um, That's an amazing story. Yeah. It's a film that refuses to die. That's why I mm. love The Wicker Man. It's it's so... The whole story behind it, because the film itself is really quite disturbing and, mm. you know, it's, it's genuinely unsettling, that film. And the fact that it's been beaten and kicked about and cut to pieces and destroyed, and yet it's still there and it just will not go away. It's the Rasputin of movies. <laughs> um, I don't like the director's cut of The Exorcist. I don't think there's any need to have her walking down the stairs as the spider. No. I think it's actually quite a cheap scare and almost undermines what happens in the bedroom later on. Although there's a really good scene between um, Father Merrin and Karras on the stairs in between um, exorcisms. That's actually quite touching, but it's, I think it's actually not a very good cut. The director's mm. cut. Always check out the original Exorcist. The, the scene on the plantation in Apocalypse Now goes on a little bit, oh, doesn't it? it does, doesn't it? I don't think that was really necessary to you put the whole of that back into the you movie. You can see why he excised it, can't you? Yeah. It just goes on and on and on. And what about the director's cut of the room, Kez? <laughs> <laughs> That's just the room. Nobody was telling Tommy Wiseau what, what to do. What about Deadly Premonition? Yeah, I was going to mention Deadly Premonition, because in the game side you sometimes get, you very, very occasionally get a game that gets a second chance and it comes out as like a director's cut version. And Deadly Premonition is one of those. But um, instead of really doing anything exciting with it or adding in bits that they couldn't do before or anything, they basically just recorded three extra cutscenes and then kind of fixed the game a little bit. And it, I don't know, it felt like a missed opportunity because mm. I'm sure there was an awful lot more they could have done with two years' worth of development time and put, put, maybe put things in that they, couldn't, that mm. they didn't have the budget to before. Maybe they still don't have the budget. I guess the most, probably the most famous director's cut, though, is probably Blade Runner, isn't mm. it? Say Blade mm. Runner, yeah. Yeah, which is, it changes the story quite significantly, mm -hmm. I think. And it, it is the superior version, yeah, a lot of people think. vastly improves it, I think. So the difference is, is the director's cut doesn't have the Harrison Ford voiceover, does mm -hmm. it? Has a completely different ending. Exactly. Um, well, we won't say what the ending is no. in case people haven't seen it, but the original version, the ending shot is actually from The Shining. Mm. isn't it it's footage that Stanley Kubrick shot of yeah. them driving away and bizarrely ended up at the end of Blade Runner which is very random That's really you couldn't bizarre. get two more different films really but imagine Ridley Scott uh, Stan, Stan have, you, have you got any spare footage of people driving I've just I've, yeah. I've no idea how I mean, to what Stanley Kubrick would say yeah. yeah I've got four years worth of it <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got it on every street yes. basically what Stanley Kubrick did all those years when he wasn't making movies Stanley Kubrick did Google Maps <laughs> Google Street View <laughs> he did Street View Kubrick by himself on 35mm <laughs> <laughs> That's a great. I love that. I love that idea. What's the other one I was thinking of as well? Um, it will come to me in a sec. Have you got any more? Any more kind of favourites? 
Isn't um, Ridley Scott's Alien very minor? It's like it takes a minute out or something to increase tension. Yeah, and then there was the, the Aliens That's one. That's what I do. The Aliens <laughs> one had quite a few, quite yeah. a lot of stuff. It was yeah. more stuff with Newt, wasn't it? I'm thinking, oh, sentry yeah. Sentry guns, more sentry gun stuff. And... But you had, um, oh, see, I've not thought about this too much, but him in, is it Paxton or one of them inside the Alien, like dying, like mm. being consumed, and that's pretty horrendous. Mm. But quite good, quite a good addition. And the abyss as well, I suppose. Because the, was it because you ran out of money on the abyss that that a lot of it wasn't completed? Because it was really effects heavy, wasn't it? And yeah. I think, I think at the time he couldn't he couldn't afford to finish. Cameron it. I think and Scott do this a lot. Yeah, the Scott's was... Kingdom of Heaven. He's put out a four hour version of that. Yeah, which I still it's not watched. Still probably shite. You know, people say it's good, but I don't I've, mind ne- I've never of taken it off my shelf and put it in. Pardon. <laughs> <laughs> and my my final one, I think, is is Brazil. Because uh, of course that was taken away from Terry Gilliam, um, massively recut with a happy ending tacked on the end, uh, and of course you know Gilliam ha- ended up having to take out adverts in Variety saying, "When are you going to give me my film back so I can release it properly?" And thankfully, mm. there are there are I think three different cuts of Brazil out now. There's there's the original theatrical cut, there's the really badly spliced together TV cut, and Gilliam's uh, original vision. I suppose these director's cuts we're talking about are quite minor changes that have kind of in big impacts. But then there's the other side of the spectrum where you've got Lord of the Rings trilogy mm. and Star Wars, where you're putting major things in. Mm. Uh, but people, th- those are received in two very different ways. Mm. A lot of hardcore Lord of the Rings fans love the extended editions. Mm-hmm. It's a more fulsome, complete vision adaptation, whereas everyone knows how the Lucas stuff's considered. Yeah, not too popular. Especially as we're not given a choice. I mean, even mm. even Spielberg said, didn't he, when he re-released ET and he airbrushed out the guns and things mm. like that and cigarettes, he said, "You know, I've made a mistake. It's a, it's it is an historical document, and we should we should leave it as is." Um, what I don't like is when you get movies where it's then released on on home end and it's the bigger, harder, uncut version, which is just a really sleazy cheap, marketing ploy. Yeah. That's not a really proper director's cut, as far as no. I'm concerned. No. Is that why I've got seven copies of Terminator? Judgment Day. <laughs> um, should we just this close? I might just, talk, I might just um, recap a story that Terrence Stamp said last night. It was quite sad. When he introduced Superman 2, the final thing he said was, I want to show Superman 2 tonight because it's, it's the only successful film I've ever been in. <laughs> and there's not a day that goes by where some git doesn't come up to me and say, kneel before Zod. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Shannon's got that all to look forward to. Yeah, he certainly has. Do let us know if you've got a favourite director's cut, if you think a film has been unfairly treated and deserves a director's cut, IGNUKfeedback at IGN.com. Uh, back to the cinema for a moment and stuff that is coming out this week. Star Trek. We've talked about it already. We've reviewed it. We've done a spoiler cast. Uh, so what more do you expect, guys? We all liked it, didn't we? I <laughs> we think lo- we, we liked the, it. We agreed in the spoiler cast. I think it's we- definitely worth 12 quid at the cinema. Mm. Yeah, a good time. We didn't like it as much as the first one, though, which I think surprised us all. Yeah, I thought it was going to be better, and it was. I, I was always on the, on the similar level, and you didn't think it was quite as good, did you? Dan? Yeah, I, it's a byproduct of liking the first movie so much. Yeah, but I just, I was really kind of disappointed the way that they take this movie. But check out the spoiler cast for more information. Mm. And it, go and see it in three D because I thought the three D was really good. Yeah, yeah, really good, really good. It was a bit loud though. 
Could you turn it down? <laughs> Little old man. <laughs> old geezer in and the corner. A Matthew McConaughey film called Mud, which I haven't seen, but I keep getting told is brilliant. Yeah. So maybe check that one out. Yeah, tell, I'm really interested in that. Tell as well. us what you think of it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't bugged you seen it. For the site, it's fine. <laughs> I'll wait for the director. If you want to do a video review, we need an MP4. H264 codec. Cheers. And games. Bugger all, Anything? basically. Yeah, there, there, there are two games out this week. Bugger all, it's a new Android game. <laughs> 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 you work in the BBC. Hey! Oh dear. Persona 4 Arena is out, which is a 2D fighting game based on the Persona series of awesome RPGs. Um, I don't know if it's any good because I don't play fighting games. And the other thing that's out this week is the retail bundle for The Walking Dead, Telltale's The Walking Dead. That's quite so, nice if you haven't already played it. I think I'm going to go buy it. I think I'm going to go buy the nice version so I can have it on my shelf. I think there's a really cool collector's edition, but it's probably yeah, it's probably sold out by now. I might go have a look anyway. So yeah, those are the two things that are out. Pre E3 drought on the game side. Mm. I do like how it's it's really it's really useful on IGN. How like when the when the um when things are quiet in games, movies are really interesting. Like all of summer, so and similarly, it's about mm. to kick off. Yeah, yeah. Mm. very excited about all the movie stuff coming. Man yeah. of Steel next month. Mm, very really for looking forward to that aren't you yeah. yes well last night got me in the mood it did because it's got to be better than that <laughs> no I liked it Have I just thought he saw, cooks a souffle in the new movie that would be awesome wouldn't it I, I'd love it if there's just one scene where he subtly changes his glasses puts a different pair on hoping nobody notices well, will he wear glasses that's the big talking point for that no. movie I think. <laughs> I think I heard he's not that would make sense someone said that to me last week Contact I lenses. don't think there's going to be much Clark Kent as we know him in this movie no well, he's certainly not going to be clumsy, Clark. Kent. No. They've already said that. Right. I don't think they should do that anymore. No, that's no. been done. Feedback. Let's see now. We've had an email from Matt Clark saying, I've had the first iPhone, iPhone 3G, iPhone 3GS, iPhone 4, and now an iPhone 5. If sure. I made the sure. jump to Android in the form of a Nexus 4, would I be disappointed? one for you and it's you you're a yeah. nexus chap oh, it's, it's difficult to well yeah it's difficult to say really it sounds like you're kind of firmly locked into the into the ios ecosystem you know if you've i kind of think if you've already had all these handsets and you've got a shed load of apps downloaded contacts and yeah everything's all thing. yeah i, I mean, think what it's worth also flagging for him is the fact that ios is going to get a major overhaul um spearheaded by johnny ive so maybe wait for that to be revealed before mm. making that decision. That's interesting, Dan. Is that the first time Johnny and I has been directly involved in the software side of things? Yes, it is indeed. Because he's always been, um, I think his old job title was head of industrial design. Yeah. So he was all, he's the guy who, you know, did the very famous iMac redesign and everything since. Yeah. And he's been now being put in charge of so um, iOS, I think. Interesting stuff. Not Scott, Scott Forstall? Mm, yeah. You and I both learned the word skeuomorphic this week. We did, yeah. Both independently of each other, yeah. but we both came up with the word, started looking at the word skeuomorphic, which is when you have a... a div well, you explain it, because you're better with those words than I I don't think so. so skeuomorphic is when you make one surface look like a different material. So it happens a lot on iOS and um, computers where you'll give an app like the texture of glass yeah. or metal or like iTunes for a long time has looked like brushed aluminium. I've got a piece of feedback from Alan who says, Hello, good people of IGN. I need your help. I'm in two minds on getting the Wii U. I love how Nintendo are thinking out of the box of the console and I love first-party games that they release. However, I was disappointed by the amount of shovelware on the Wii along with the lack of third-party support. What are your experiences with the Wii U? 
Will it gain more ex- support in the future from third-party developers? And do you think Nintendo will ditch the console a couple of years down the line to release a system that's closer in power and support to that of the next Xbox and PS4? Uh, no to the last question. This is yeah, interesting, though, because it's not the first email we've had on this subject, is it? Every, so, every few weeks we get an email from yeah. a listener saying, should I buy the Wii U? I think the answer is really simple. If you, like, if you love Nintendo games, buy a Wii U. If you don't love Nintendo games, don't count on there being anything else on it. I think at this think, point, yeah, it's that, not that's wise. The, that's the musterings from a lot of big companies recently. For instance, EA, all the games they're developing on Frostbite 3, they've said this. They said this back in March, actually, mm. but it's been picked up again this week. Those games won't be coming to Wii U. They're not compatible. They're not going to be ported to, to the Wii U. And there's other developers, like people at Avalanche, have said that yeah. their Wii U dev kits literally are gathering dust. Yeah, I mean, no one's making things for it. Um, except Nintendo, really. I mean, th- this happened with Wii as well, though. Like, Ubisoft came out swinging with a couple of really good games at launch. Mm. Um, like, uh, Red Steel, was it called? The sword fighting game? Yeah. And uh, Raving Rabbids was good. And um, But then... I like Red Steel. Red Steel was good. It was good. Red Steel 2 is even better because yeah, right. they had the... the, the Motion ex- Plus. Motion Plus, yeah. Red Steel 2 was genuinely great sword fighting game. It was. No one bought it. No. And so I think that everybody's third-party developers were warned off by by how the Wii went because basically the only things that sold on Wii were Nintendo games and the occasional like fluky thing like Carnival Games which was like oh, I think don't. it was five of bullshit rubbish minigame collection and Just Dance which mm. is good but it's Just Dance so I think it's unwise to buy a Wii U thinking oh cool there'll be lots of there'll be lots of great third-party games on it so Zombie bad. U is super though and also Monster Hunter is, is great it wasn't originally made for the Wii U, obviously, but it's it's a really great um, game from the third party. How's Monster Hunter doing? Because it seems to be it seems to have really kind of caught people's imagination. This is totally the breakthrough. Yeah, like, I've been playing Monster Hunter for uh, about six or seven, six years, I think. And every time it's come out, I've been like, "Oh, come on, guys, let's play Monster Hunter!" And people have been like, "Oh, I'll give it a go," and then they try for an hour and they stop. Mm. Whereas this time around, so many people that I know who've either never played it before or never got on with it before are really, really into it. Mm. And I think that uh, they sold out really quickly in Europe and they had to, like, apparently um, Nintendo's Japanese president was, like, really angry with Nintendo of Europe being, like, seriously, everyone wants to buy this game. Why are there no copies of this game? So they, they restocked about two weeks ago. Okay. So it's come back in the chart and everything. I think it's the breakthrough from Monster Hunter this time around, which is good. I think you've got to love any game where there's a cat that owns a kebab shop. Yes. You've been watching our Monster Hunter footage for Hunting Party, haven't you? Oh, haven't I? <laughs> oh, yes. Do you kind of Days get it? Days of my fucking life <laughs> watching that footage. Uh, but we were... Uh, um, one of the friends of, of, of iGen, uh, Jimmy, who has opened up a little uh, gaming uh, cafe here in London, and uh, he had uh, Monster Hunter playing on, in his cafe the other day, and there was quite a, a sizable crowd of people getting involved so yeah. yeah i mean compared to i remember they had a capcom did a gathering hall which is like you know the monster hunter place where you come to hunt they, they actually like rented somewhere like a proper cool place for for um i think it was for the last psp game and it was you know empty most of the time mm-hmm. so that i mean i think it, it really is a noticeable difference which is cool so if you like monster hunter buy a wii u and if you like nintendo games buy one because they're you know yeah, <laughs> Nintendo Land is still an amazing game. Or if you want to wait till after E3 when you'll actually be able to see what's coming for it, yeah, that'll yeah. get you excited. Um, two bits of feedback here. First one's from James Ward. He's just saying that he's never really been into indie games, but he downloaded Thomas Was Alone after watching our video podcast with Mike Bithell and Danny Wallace, who made and are in, um, star in the game respectively. And he says, thank you for making me play it. We're really enjoying it. No problems, James. Most cool. welcome. Uh, next bit of feedback is from Jacob Korn. 
He's from Jacksonville, Florida. Does the Star Trek movie trailer look like you could replace the Enterprise with the Normandy and call it a Mass Effect movie? I think so. Do you think he's... I, I think maybe that's because you're looking at the telescope the wrong way around. Yeah. Like, Mass Effect looks like Star Trek. Mass Effect is... I think Mass Effect's very Modeled like Star Trek, yeah. actually. Mm. Um, the kind of interracial politics, alien racial politics, and the the kind of... The nature of the threat, and also the Reapers are... The Reapers? Are they called Reapers or Reapers? I can never remember. Oh, um, Reapers. Aren't they basically the Borg? Yes, sort they are. Of? They are like sentient machines that turn apart the universe. But it's it's very influenced. But I spoke to the writer about it a year ago when Mass Effect 3 came out. And Star Trek is the overwhelming influence yeah. on that game's I mean, politics there's, there's and vision of humanity. And Yes, totally. Yeah, there's, there's elements of Star Wars in there, but it's not really... I think there's little elements was, of things yeah. like Firefly and other stuff, but I mean, really it's a Star Trek video game. So it's that's the, the thing, Star if they ever game. made a Mass Effect movie, it would feel very, very much like a Star Trek movie. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Although um, the same... I can't remember if it's the same team, but I'm pretty sure it was the same developer made the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic games. Yeah. Um, which were... Which felt more like Star Trek games than Star Wars games to me, despite all the Star Wars gotcha. stuff. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Um, what else was interesting? I'll just drop this in now. Um, John Carpenter said he'd like to make a Dead Space movie. Mm. Oh, wow. I love John Carpenter. So yep. that got me excited. It's a man who's not made a good film in about 20 years. Mm. Doesn't make good movies set in space either. So <laughs> it's, all, it's all coming together for John. <laughs> uh, I've got an email from Adrian Hall, who lives in Colchester and Bar, Switzerland. Uh, and Adrian says, hi, I'm going to London this weekend. So I had a question. Are there any important gaming geek things I have to see? So Jimmy's Bar is one of them. It's yes. Loading Bar in Soho. Yep. It's, uh, it's on Rupert Street. Yeah, I think yep. it's Rupert Street. Yeah. And before you go there, you could go to... Um, Gosh Comics. Yeah. It's a great independent comic book store. Lots of great graphic novels. That's at the bottom of Brewer Street, is it? I think so, yeah. yeah. The Endurance Pub. Um Yes, Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet does have a lot of stuff in it, but yeah. I imagine you've been to Forbidden Planet before. Yeah, I'm just kind of If you go everywhere. to the Waterstones on Piccadilly, um, currently they've got Lego exhibition on. Have they? It's quite cool. That's cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. And actually, I really like that um, the poster shop on Brewer Street that does all the old issue, back issues of film magazines and stuff downstairs. Vintage Magazine Company. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good place to There's go. There's lots of well. fun stuff in there. Just, just spend the day schlepping around Soho. All yeah, the independent, <laughs> absolutely. All the independent game shops have shut down, sadly. Yeah. Like game Focus was great, but it's gone now. All gone. Yeah. All Never gone. mind. Any more feedback, or are we wrapping up? No, I think that's it. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed the last Checks Watch forty-four minutes. Mm-hmm. What about you? Was it fun? Can we do it all again next week? You do let's. Yes. Good. We shall. Thanks for that overwhelming vote of support, you fuckers. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the 185th IGN UK podcast. Let us know if you did. IGN UK feedback at IGN.com and give us uh, an upvote or whatever the hell it is on iTunes. And we will see you all again next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.